Are you dreaming about travelling again? I bet you are. So give yourself a break and listen to my brand new travel podcast. It's made for people like you, by people like you. And in these podcasts, there will be interviews with different types of travellers and the strange characters that I've met on the road. With stories and anecdotes from the last 32 years of my continuous backpacking and working around the world. Also, there'll be cynical destination descriptions and the occasional travel tip to smooth your journey. And for all the squeamish listeners out there, I just want to say that no studio was used or abused in the making of these podcasts or any of the recordings. So please check it out, and I hope you like it. Oh, and by the way, my name's Alan. This week, there are two stories, one from Australia and the other from India, both very different, both for different reasons. I hope you enjoy them. My father was Australian and my mother was German, but when I went to Australia I actually assumed that everybody would be like my father, but they weren't, they were the complete opposite. And this, this story is about a guy who was very generous and hospitable and a really nice guy. And he died a couple of years ago, so this, is, this story is dedicated to him. This story takes place in a town called Wollongong. By the time I got there, I was pretty weak and worn out. I'd been hitchhiking in Australia for some months. And I arrived there and I needed to buy some food. And I decided to buy a tent to cut down on the expense of hostels or guest houses because they were like $26, $27 a night. And so I bought a tent for about, I think, $100 and intended to just camp everywhere. I was, I'd slept outside for most of it anyway. But as soon as you hit the city, you're, you're in a hostel. Anyway, I got to Wollongong and bought the tent. The tent weighed about one and a half kilos, something like that. Then I went to the supermarket and bought a kilo pack of oats and a litre of milk. And a litre is a kilo. So all in all, I've just put on three and a half kilos of weight on my backpack, which was already possibly... 28, 29 kilos anyway. And um, I came out of the supermarket. I had the oats and the milk and I packed them away and found that I couldn't pick up my backpack. I was so weak and been losing weight over the time. And I needed to get my backpack on my back and I couldn't. I couldn't pick it up and get it onto my back. But across the road, I could see a low wall I thought if I put my bag on there, I can then get down, get into it, and then stand up. Well, that was the plan. It was a Saturday. The supermarket was super busy, and the roads were busy, but I just picked up my bag and carried it across the road, my backpack across the road, struggling with it then, between the traffic and to the, onto the pavement on the other side, and put it on the wall. The wall wasn't as tall as it could have been, but I got down, got into the into it I just couldn't I couldn't stand up I couldn't lift up the bag even from a crouching position and I tried this a couple of times 
someone from behind picked up the bag and me and put it on my back. So I looked round and it was a, a grey-haired gentleman, well-built, uh, wearing a blazer, grey slacks and had a newspaper under his arm. He looked like Captain Birdseye without the cap. I said, thanks very much. He said, anything else? I said, no, no, but is there a park near here or something where I can just sit down and uh, rest? Oh, he told me where there was a park. And then he went off on his way, uh, marching along, and I turned left and went down to the park by the seafront. After a couple of hours of rest, I set off hitchhiking again. Again, I was so worn out that I'd been hitchhiking. I'd got lifts. I think it was on the second day... I actually was underneath a tree with no, only about two or three leaves on it. I was trying to shelter from the sun. It was about 37 degrees and it was blisteringly hot and I couldn't carry the bag anymore so I just had it on the side of the road and I was hitching if ever a car came along. And on one occasion, um, the blue car passed me. I didn't really take much notice but it didn't stop for, for at least 100 metres and then it stopped. And then a big guy, a big young guy, got out of the passenger seat and shouted, Do you want a lift then? So I said, Yeah. And I picked up my bag and I ran with it. I didn't have it on my back. I just ran with it in my arms. I put it in the boot. And as I went to climb in the front, as it was a three-door hatchback, the guy said to me, Oh, you're going to tell me that bag's heavy. Lo and behold, it was the guy. And I laughed because it was the guy that picked it up and put it on my back two days earlier. So I said, wow, I said, hey, it's great, it's great to see you, thank you for putting it on my back and stuff. He said, it's heavy, yeah, I said, it's about nearly 30 kilos, I think. He said, where do you want to go? So I said, to one of the rest areas, in Australia they have rest areas which are awesome, they have toilet showers, electric barbecues, you know, you can put your tent up and just chill. And it was around Christmas time and I thought, this is perfect, I can put my tent up and chill out in one of these rest places over Christmas and then start hitching again. And I'll possibly have eaten the oats and drunk the milk by then, so I'll be two kilos lighter. He said, wouldn't you prefer to come and have Christmas lunch with us at the bowling club? So I said, yeah. So he said, OK. But he said, the family are coming. It's our Christmas. Every Christmas we go to the bowling club and we have their standard Christmas meal. I thought, this would be the first proper hot meal a proper meal. Maybe in the last six months or something, I'd had a hot meal. And um, the problem was he ordered me up a beer. I seriously hadn't had a beer for a year. I hadn't had any alcohol for a long time. You can't carry it and I'm not on a holiday. I'm just traveling. To get wasted every night is a, a waste of a trip. And so he gave me this beer and I had a grin on my face that I couldn't get off. And slowly, family members were turning up to the table and I was being introduced to them, and then the grandmother turned up. And she said, who's that boy? I don't know him. Who's he? he what's he doing here? All that business. <laughs> but luckily she was at the other end of the table. So we had a beer, and then the food came, and it was lovely. It was hot turkey, potatoes, Brussels sprouts, the whole thing. It was just awesome. And then dessert. We had a dessert which was, again, it was awesome, and um, finished off with a glass of champagne. Well, I couldn't get the grin off my face from the beer. So now 
So now the, the champagne, I was a bit squiffy. And uh, again, couldn't get a grin off my face for loving the money. Anyway, after the meal, as we made our way back to the car, he said, so where do you want to go now? I said, yeah, one of these, one of these rest areas, if you, if you know of one. He said, so you don't want to come and stay in my house on the beach then for Christmas? So I said, yeah. He said, we haven't used it for a while, but you can clean it up or do what you like with it. But we've, it's, on, it's by the beach and we don't use it anymore, as I said, and it's full of junk and stuff, but you can sort that out. And you can eat anything that's there and you can have, a time, you can have your own good time there. So I said, well, thanks very much. That's brilliant. He took me to this wooden house, which is the typical weatherboard house. We switched on the electricity and water. He showed me the shower. The shower place was outside. But I'll tell you what was amazing. Even though it had, it was, had a lot of cobwebs in there and dodgy spiders, it was possibly one of the best showers I've ever had, ever. It was just brilliant. And in the house, it was pretty, it was just full of stuff. They just dumped there. I tidied up a bit. And they had a radio, and I put the radio on, and there's actually cricket. Australia was playing cricket with someone, like the South Africans or something. I'm not sure. But that was on the radio. It's about all there was, a bit of music, which was good. And I stayed there for three or four days. I walked on the beach. I went exploring, looked around. It was very good. And the, the bird life and the just the wildlife was great around there. Not very, not very built up, and it was uh, pretty quiet, which I thought was great. After Christmas, I was there for about four days or something, five days. I then literally just packed my bag, switched everything off, shut the door, locked it, and put the key back through the letterbox. And I tell you what, that was one of the best Christmases I've ever had. It was awesome. It was quiet, it was different, and the hospitality, what a family guy died actually that was tragic but uh, in- incredible generosity and hospitality never forget it and this time I was in Agra and I'd already eaten in the dusty roadside store after checking out the Taj Mahal and on my way back, I had to go up a steep hill. Well, I was about halfway up the hill when I saw a guy selling chai. And it was a bit of a rough and ready place. It was outside on the street. It was just some upturned boxes, a tray full of cups, a couple of guys sitting there. And so I thought I'd have a chai. So I sat down, I ordered, ordered the tea, and the guy started making it. Now, the guy was short and tubby. He had a white T-shirt on and black trousers. I was looking round, checking out what was going on, and at the bottom of the hill, from where I'd come from, there was a rickshaw coming around and turning up the hill. And the rickshaw had two well-fed Indians in it, in their finest clothes. It was about a hundred metres away, something like that, at the bottom of the hill. I watched them, and the guy, the guy riding the bike was a scrawny old guy, and he didn't have any muscles in his legs or in his arms or anything. And he hit the hill, and he got not far, he got about 50 metres up the hill before the weight overtook his strength. And as the bike slowed and slowed, he got out of the saddle and he was now over the handlebars 
giving it maximum pump on his like pistons on the pedals. But the actual rickshaw actually slowed and stopped and then started sliding backwards slowly. So he grabbed the brake and held the brake. You could see the, the tendons on his arm come out when he was grabbing the brake to stop it. And he turned to the two well-fed people in the back and told them to get out. I didn't hear the conversation, but you could see he was going to get out, get out, like that. And it's sort of like angrily, like almost almost in a an angry way. Anyway, so then he said, well, come on, then start pushing as he climbed off. He climbed off to start pushing the bike and it wouldn't. He was an old guy and he was really scrawny. And he looked at them and he just said, come on, push. So they started pushing. So you've got this couple in their sort of like late 30s, early 40s, dressed in all their fine clothes, but they'd possibly been to a temple or a wedding or something. And he made them push this rickshaw up the hill. And it, the hill wasn't a slight hill. This was a proper hill going up into the centre of Agra. I was watching it because this is just, these guys are paying for the rickshaw ride. And here we have the actual customers pushing the rickshaw. I turned back to the tea maker, the chai maker, and he's boiling my chai well, because chai is one of those great things in India. It's boiled so much that there's no way anything could survive in it, and you'd never die from drinking chai because it, everything's sterilized by the time you get it. But then I saw the guy, the tea maker, take a cup from the tray, which the tray had actually had water in it to stop other ants or flies getting onto the rim of the cups because the cups were upside down. And he took a cup. Obviously, the rim had water on it now. And so he shook it a couple of times and it was still wet. And then he put it under his armpit and wiped it on his T-shirt. Now, the T-shirt, he must have had the T-shirt on for over a week or two. It was filthy. And now he's put it under his armpit and drying it off under his armpit. Yeah, I was a little bit taken aback, but I didn't say anything. I didn't react. And um, <laughs> I remember it so well. And then he poured the chai into it. And I thought, how the hell am I going to drink this without dying? Who knows where the water's come from? And, and certainly under his arm isn't the best place to have a cup wiped down. But at the same time, I was keeping an eye on the rickshaw across the road. And it came past me just before I started drinking the uh, the chai, passed me with the, the couple pushing the rickshaw, and they were struggling. The hill was that steep, past me, on the other side of the road. Now I had to think of a way of how can I drink this without dying or, or getting diarrhoea. So what I did was, as it was scalding hot, I accidentally on purpose spilt some tea or some chai over the edge where I was going to put my lips, which would at least try and sterilise it to some degree. And then I tentatively took a sip or two, and yeah, that was superb chai. You couldn't get a better cup, but the way it was handled was different. So anyway, I drank the chai, had a great time, and uh, I saw the, the rickshaw get to the top of the hill, and then they got back in the, the rickshaw and rode away. So everybody, at the end of the day, everybody was good, but just sitting there watching all this going on was just, it was amazing. I had a chai, it was possibly five rupees or something, and it was awesome. It didn't do me too much harm. Well, that's all for this week, folks. And please remember, the same road can be travelled a thousand different ways. So get out there 
and make it your own. Until next week.